Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. This weekend, Jordan Peele's new movie, Us, debuted at $70 million, which is incredible. Um, Neither of us went to see it because it sounds terrifying. But let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, what would it take to get you to watch Us? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And in order for me to go see Us, I would need someone who knows me in person to go see it and tell me that I can handle it. Um, which leads me to an announcement that something that might be coming soon to your ear- earwaves. Um, stay tuned for maybe a new project from me. Not ready to announce it yet, Woo-woo. but just get excited <laughs> about it. Get excited. <laughs> well, I'm Lucas Schreider, designer in Chicago. And for me to see us, it would take the consensus saying this is a social thriller, not a horror movie, which is what happened with Get Out, <laughs> which is why I watched it many months later once it was out with all the lights on in the middle right. of the day. Um, uh, this looks like a horror movie, so I, I'm, I'm probably out. It's probably not going to happen for me. I will say I saw one critic on Twitter, you know, kind of respond to someone who was asking us the same question. Like, I, this looks terrifying. Can mm-hmm. I go see it? And the critic basically said that it's very similar to Get Out and that it's very intense but low on, like, jump scares. Um, so mm-hmm. that's something that is a little reassuring. <laughs> It's going to take a lot of people just lying to me right. and saying, no, it's yeah. not scary. And eventually I'll probably see it. I do find that it, my tolerance <laughs> is going up as okay. I get older. I haven't tested it at all. So, <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, this week we are actually going to be talking about the Netflix movie Triple Frontier. In addition to that, we're going to be talking about the Apple uh, event, which happened yesterday, um, and talk about some of the, the new announcements there. But before we get into all that, let's talk about what we're feeling this week. Sandra, what are you feeling? So I have become addicted to a new cooking YouTube channel. Um, it's a Korean cooking YouTube channel where you never really see the person behind the channel. You just see a set of hands. Um But this person makes some of the most beautiful desserts. And I don't know if you know this about me, Lucas, but for the past few months, maybe half a year now, um, I have gotten into like a big time baking hobby. Like I bake all the time. I'm really into trying to like perfect my skills when it comes to making a beautiful cake or like really delicious dessert. So this channel is providing me a lot of inspiration and knowledge, and I just love looking at it. Um, one of my favorite things about this channel, oh, and I should, I should maybe say what it's called. It's called Cooking Tree. Now, the thing about this channel is it's a Korean cooking channel, which um, means that there's not really a host that sits and talks and kind of explains how everything is done. Instead, everything is just show you just watch um, the dessert being made with a pair of hands and measurements for everything is given out in both English and Korean. But the English measurements are all in like grams and centimeters versus like 
inches and cups. So there's a lot of like converting that I have to do when I try to recreate one of these recipes. But I have a really fun time making it, uh, making these desserts and watching these channel these videos. What's so special about this channel though is are you familiar with like ASMR videos, Lucas? Yes, I am. Have you ever, do you watch any of them? Do you appreciate I mean, them? I, d I don't appreciate okay. them at all, but gotcha. I, I, I know what they are. <laughs> so I'm similar to you. We're like, I know what they are. I don't really watch any of them. I'm, I find them interesting. You know, like I think the, yeah. the phenomenon yeah. is interesting, but they don't really do anything for me. I don't particularly find them appealing. This YouTube channel is a cooking ASMR channel. So what happens <laughs> is, is like when the person is, I, I don't know the gender of the person, but when the person, the baker is making these desserts, um, there's no audio of like them talking, but there's a like intense audio of all the noises that happen from cooking. <laughs> so, so like stirring and pouring and yeah, a lot of <laughs> stirring and pouring basically. So it'd be like yeah. milk pouring into a bowl or like sugar and eggs being whisked together or like, um, apples like sizzling in a pot or, you know, like batter being poured into a pan. <laughs> and it's like all these noises I find incredibly soothing. And I just love the experience so much. On one hand, I love watching these videos because I want to try to make desserts like this. And so it provides as like a tool for, for in that regard for me. But on the other hand, I find watching these videos incredibly relaxing. I like drew a bath and just like watched a series of them and just let the noises like wash over you. Um, I'll like, if I have a hard time going to sleep, I'll lie in bed and just let like watch these videos and they'll put me to sleep. The set, the noise is so soothing. Um, and, 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 and the, the visual is very soothing too, because Every dessert on here, there's never a mistake made. Every dessert looks perfect and smooth and beautiful. And I just want to live in a world where I can create desserts like this um, and where everything is perfect. And so um, I highly recommend checking this out. Like I said, it's a YouTube channel called Cooking Tree. Um, and it's... Uh, and it also has like some Korean symbols next to it. So that's how you know you've um, found the right place. <laughs> I, I've had a link here, Lucas, for you to click so you can kind of browse through the YouTube um, like thumbnails and see yeah. what some of these desserts look like. They look fantastic. And I've been watching one of them kind of while you're while you've been talking. And yeah. I feel like a lot of cooking channels make it look like, oh, you know, this is so easy. You can quickly kind of put this together. And this is like, no, this is going to be beautiful. It's going to be slow. It's going to be meticulous. Right. And it's going to be the best dessert you've ever seen. I appreciate so. that because like these videos are like on average about like 12 minutes long. Some are like seven, some are, you know, six, but a lot of them are like 12 minutes long. And I really appreciate like a video that I can like, that takes its time when it comes to baking because mm -hmm. If I'm going to try to recreate this from just watching this video, there's no written instructions. Um, I need you to slow down. Like a tasty video <laughs> on BuzzFeed, yeah. it's like over in 15 seconds. And it's like I have to rewatch <laughs> this video like 12 times just to figure out what the steps are, you know? Um, 
or like if I if I need to try to remember what a step is, I have to go back and like not miss it, you know, because it's like half a second long. Yeah. Um, on these, it's like very leisurely while not being it's not like it taking the literal amount of time, you know, like it shows, you know, someone stirring whipped cream into batter. But, you know, it doesn't take the whole amount of time. And um, some of these desserts look like something straight out of like a beautifully animated movie, you know, like they're mm-hmm. so precise and the colors are so beautiful. Um, now I will say I have tried making a couple of these and I've had varying levels of success. The <laughs> videos, even though they don't, the videos do make things look a little bit more easy than they actually are. I would say, um, and because there are no instructions, um, there's a lot that you have to just kind of like assume or learn by mistake. Um, so I've made a couple of these recipes. I would say the first one I made had like maybe a 50 was I got 50% right. And then the second one I made, I got maybe 75% right. And then the third one I made, I got maybe 30% right. So it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's a learning experience. Um, there's a lot of, like I said, all of the measurements are in grams and centimeters. So you need so like, like 12 inches of milk is what they ask for? No. Well, the gram <laughs> part is easy because I bought a scale. You just weigh it. It makes It's pretty straightforward. Um, but the she has these special circular molds that like she'll say like use a 15 centimeter mold. Well, uh, I can't find that because yeah. everything here is, <laughs> is in inches. So like 15 centimeters is like 5.77 inches or something like that. So I had to buy like a six inch mold. So like all these like measurements of like molds that she's using, I'm kind of adjusting on the go. And so, so that, you know, just requires some patience and some know-how. Um, <laughs> I will say one thing that I did figure out that if anyone wants to go and recreate these recipes, she uses leaf gelatin, which is like a special kind of gelatin that isn't found in most grocery stores. Most grocery stores have like powdered gelatin. Leaf gelatin is like much better to use, um, but it's a little trickier in that like a recipe might say, like, use a teaspoon of powdered gelatin. Well, it's like, well, how much leaf gelatin does that mean? So in her recipes, she says use, like, three grams of leaf gelatin. Well, here's the other trick, is that there's different types of leaf gelatin, and she doesn't specify, I'm assuming it's a she, I don't know why, but uh, this baker doesn't specify what type of leaf gelatin they use. I had to do a lot of research, and I'm just going to save everyone the step of this research, I bought gold leaf gelatin because gold leaf gelatin weighs two grams per sheet. And so the math is really easy to do. So when they ask for, when she says use three grams of leaf gelatin, you use one and a half sheets. Um, Any other type like silver or platinum or bronze or whatever, those are trickier conversions. So use gold leaf gelatin. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, That's my new obsession. I was just going to say, well, this has been Cooking with Sandra. Um, Tune in next time to hear Sandra talk about waffles. Right. Um, (laughs) Oh, actually, I'm not a waffle person. You're not a waffle person? Here's the other thing, Lucas, is that I'm not even that much of a cake person. I love the, 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 the method of, like, creating something beautiful, you know? 
It's yeah. not even a, about the eating of it. Well, that's that's actually kind of the best of both worlds. You get sure. you don't have to consume the calories, and you uh, get to actually bake something. So. Here's the thing, though. When you take up a hobby of, like, baking, is you find out that there's not that many occasions for cake in your everyday life. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, I want to make this cake. And it's like, well, who's going to eat it? Like, where am I going to bring it to make sure that oh. it gets eaten? You are in the wrong place if you can't figure out how to get rid of a cake. I know. That should be eaten immediately. That's, that's <laughs> a great point. Okay, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? All right. I am feeling a book called... Vincent and Theo, the Van Gogh brothers, by Deborah Heigelman. Um, this is kind of the story of Vincent Van Gogh and his brother Theo, um, told through kind of based off the research. They they sent hundreds and hundreds of letters to each other over their life, their lives. Um, and it kind of tells the story of them through the letters, but also just kind of as kind of a bibliography, not a bibliography, a uh, biography as a biography. Um, it's really neat to kind of see their relationship grow as they get older. Um, well, older. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, but but they both died young. Um, <laughs> and it really goes into detail about just kind of the relationship they had with each other and the relationship they had with their their families and um, kind of the, the mutual friends they had and relationships there. Um, it's really an interesting look. I've read some of the letters of Vincent Van Gogh, um, and it's the very, very beautiful, but it's really neat to get it in just kind of a story format of just kind of what is what did their life look like. Um, it's a great book. It's actually a book for, like, teen, like it's a young adult book, um, biography, um, but told really, really well. I would highly encourage everybody to, to check it out. Um, I am normally not a fan of biographies at all. But this came up, um, and it seemed like something that was really interesting. Um, this the De- Deborah Hagelman has also done this same kind of situation for the for the Dickenses, the Dickenses. Oh, okay. The Dickens. Yes. Um, so Charles Dickens and his wife, as well as uh, Darwin and his wife. So just telling kind of their story through these letters that they've written to each other over the years. Um, Love really that. interesting. I've only again, I've only written the. I've only written, I've only read the the Van Gogh Brothers ones, one, the the Van Gogh Brothers one, Um, but the rest of them seem really interesting, so I might check those out. Yeah, I love, letters are, reading like private letters is like one of, um, like my, a simple joy that I really appreciate. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you see At Eternity's Gate? Yes. I did. I watch all the Vincent Van Gogh movies. Yeah, sure. I didn't love it. Um, I liked some of the some of the themes of like really like looking into his depression and his loneliness and um, kind of what it's like to be kind of just pursued by that passion um, without kind of any any other thought um, of kind of how to live your life. I I think it's really interesting. I think. that movie didn't have a lot to say really about it, but it's just, is it is an interesting subject no matter how you look at it. So what I liked better was the, um, oh, what was it called? Oh, Dear Vincent. Yes. Um, the story of his life told through actual like paintings. Right. Um, I loved that. There's a new documentary coming out called Loving Vincent. Oh, right. Loving Vincent. But it's a documentary about the making of that film. Oh, cool. Um, which shows kind of all the painters that they hired and kind of how they painted it and how kind of they animated these paintings, which that looks to me so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to see that. But the book itself is called Vincent and Theo, the Van Gogh Brothers. Um, I would highly encourage everybody to check it out. Awesome. All right. So let's move on to the next section, In or Out. What's it going to be? Consider carefully. Are you in or 
we're going to take a look at some trailers that came out in the last week or so. Um, and Sandra, tell me if you're in or out on them. So starting off, we got a trailer for Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Which is the um, Dora the Explorer live action. Live action movie, movie. <laughs> which is very weird to say. Um, how do you feel about this? You know, typically I don't think I would have any interest in this, but I recently found out that one of the screenwriters on it is um, a guy whose podcast I used to love when he did it. And so um, in support of him, it's something that I have a little bit more interest in now. Matt Robinson is the name of the writer and former podcaster. Uh, so is he good? Do we know if he writes good movies? So um, <laughs> I, I appreciate his, you know, voice via podcasting. So, But the only movie of his that I've seen before and the only one that – uh, I think he's written or like punched up a lot of projects, but his only like official credit that I know of before was The Invention of Lying, um, which is a movie that I really loved. And I, I'm trying to think of, know if he directed that also or if Ricky Gervais directed that. Um, but I really loved that movie. I really like his personality. Um, and he has a bunch of other projects coming out that seem really interesting. He wrote... Um, the Little Shop of Horrors script that's coming out soon. Um, and so that's a project that I'm really interested in. And so that if he was hired to write that, that I think is exciting. But yeah, his involvement has me interested. Um, this trailer, I think, looks fine, but doesn't excite me either way. I am not excited in the least bit, um, but we'll see. It's Adora the Explorer movie, which is very weird to say out loud. <laughs> Um, next up, we've got Quentin Tarantino's new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is Hollywood in the 60s, set around the Manson murders. Um, any interest in this movie? Here's the thing. I am not a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. I liked Inglorious Bastards. Anything else of his that I've seen hasn't really been my kind of movie. Um, the idea that this is a little bit more glamorous and a little less grimy... Then some of his other movies, I think, is interesting. Um, I like all of these actors very much. And I like the idea of, like, poking fun at, like, Hollywood and sort of the glamour of it all. Um, so I am interested. I think this trailer is interesting and, and, and made me laugh. Um, but mostly what's going to get me in the seats is the combination of Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Margot Robbie. Like, those are three actors that I almost always want to go see. And so the three of them being in a big movie together, you know, is kind of just has my ticket already purchased. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... This is Leonardo DiCaprio's first movie since he won for The Revenant. Um, I... We'll see this movie. I'm not excited about it. I'm not interested in it really, but I, it's something that I'm definitely going to end up seeing. Um, I just don't, I don't love Tarantino. I don't love how he handles most delicate situations, I feel like. And I feel like this is more of a delicate one um, surrounding kind of these murders. And uh, we'll, 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 we'll see how it does. <laughs> Here's the other thing is that like, I also really don't know much about this story. Like, I know there were murders, and that's about it. And I don't really understand much else about it. And so... Do you know, like, who gets murdered and, like... Well, I know Sharon Tate gets murdered. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that. That that was the main thing. I was like, do you know that Margot Robbie's going to get murdered yeah, yeah. in this movie? Yeah, I know that Sharon Tate gets murdered. But I don't, like... <laughs> when I was, like, looking at the IMD... Here's, here's where I'm going to sound real dumb, Okay. 
I was like, I know that has to involve the Manson murders, right? So I was like <laughs> on the IMDb page and I was like, who is playing Manson? And <laughs> and I didn't see like a clear like Leonardo DiCaprio is Manson. And I was like, okay, well, I'm lost already. Hang on. Do you, do you know which Manson we're looking for here? Nope. Sure don't. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to let this movie be a real surprise to you. <laughs> I was like looking for someone be fun. to be like Ted Manson, you know, or like yeah. Ted you know, Manson. Jill Manson. <laughs> like I was like, waiting, like, like someone on this list needs to be a Manson, like in, in the IMDb, right? To be like, right, hey, that's right. The yeah. Killer. Okay. And there wasn't a Manson listed. <laughs> okay. Well, here's, here's what I need from you. I'm now much more excited about seeing this film. Um, <laughs> I know it's like a cult. I, need you... I know like there's cult stuff involved. Okay. I need you to not look at IMDb anymore. <laughs> and I need you to not look this up. And I need us to watch this movie and then talk about it. I'll try so... my best. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's how you get me to see this movie is tell me you know Lucas, nothing about it. Is so, that yeah. like maybe me looking this stuff up wouldn't even affect it, my viewing experience, because Quentin Tarantino doesn't always stick to like what happened in real life. It's true. It's true. Like so. this movie could be like Sharon Tate kills them all and like lives. <laughs> right? Ooh, it, it could definitely be that. It could definitely be that. So... <laughs> All right. Well, let's watch this movie now. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, next up on the list, we got a trailer for Stranger Things 3. Um, everybody's a lot older now. Uh, what did you think about this? Oh, baby. This trailer was made for me. I was so <laughs> into this trailer. I love I think stories about teenagers are exciting, and all of the kids are becoming teenagers. Um, very clearly noted to us by the song Teenage Wasteland throughout yep. the trailer, which also got my blood pumping. Um, I love that it's like a, it's in the summer. I think like it's going to be just full of like excitement and joy and changes and, and thrills. And I'm so, so in on this series. Like I, I've loved, I love both seasons. I know season two didn't get as much of like a, like, People weren't as excited about it. I had a blast with season two. This season three looks really, really fun. Um, the tone just seems like big. Like they're like they're like well, this is something big now. We're gonna go mm-hmm. big. Um, and I, I, I'm in. I'm in. What about you? A hundred percent in. I feel the exact same way. Like I, I loved season one, and I absolutely thought that it shouldn't continue. And then when it did, I was actually very excited about it. Sure. Um, I had a lot of fun with season two, and I am very pumped for season three. I think one of the cool things about a show like this is you normally like this is riffing off eighty movie eighties movies, and one of those things that you don't get in eighties movies are the continuation of those relationships. What happens after this big event? How does your relationship change? Not only with, you know, the friends, but with, you know, the uh, the, the other siblings and stuff like that that are involved here. Right. Um, I think Steve is one of the greatest characters of all time, which yeah. is the way his 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 character arc his is arc, amazing, yeah. how his his relationship with all of these characters. Um, I, it's, it's, I, I love this show. So I'm really pumped for season Here's three. Here's my question. Do you know, has there been an official word on is season three the the final season i was wondering the same thing i don't think anybody said anything yet because it feels like an ending it feels like this is a trilogy right like right and this is the culmination of that story but i don't know that that's been announced officially and so i just hope that 
if it feels like it ends perfectly, like that we don't keep doing this just to right. keep doing it. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Go out on a high note. <laughs> sure. Uh, Monday the 25th, Apple um, had another one of their announcements, announced a few things. They announced Apple News Plus. They announced Apple Card. They announced Apple Arcade. And then they announced some Apple TV channels and... Apple TV Plus. All right. So quite a big slate, really just talking about services, no new products or anything like that. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, you can consider the card a product, I would say. Um I would say- see. I see. I I feel. I view that that card as just kind of an add-on. It's just like here's something. The product is really like the service of because really they're pushing Apple Pay on your phone. I think you're right there. Um, I was really excited about this. I found myself more excited for this Apple event than I am for like events that are focused around a device. Mm-hmm. Device events are fun, but like ultimately. It's like, it's faster, it's more durable, it's better battery life. It's like the same thing every year, you know? Yeah, we, yeah, we've stopped our upward progression of just crazy new enhancements every single year for technology. And I feel like for, at least on the hardware side, we're more just kind of tapering off of, yeah, everything's still getting better. It's just not crazy exciting anymore. <laughs> right. Whereas this announcement was like, here are all these new services we're offering. And this is something that like, is going to be evolving. You know, there's going to be new content mm-hmm. ever like coming into these services. And that's just really exciting. Um, let's go by them one by one, shall we? Okay. Yeah. Let's start in order. Apple news plus. Okay. Do you read magazines, Lucas? I don't. I don't. Yeah. Me um, <laughs> yeah. They kept saying, so basically it's $10 a month and you get uh 300, over um, 300 access to over 300 magazines, digital, digital versions. Right. What I've heard is it's not the full, it's probably not the full magazine. Um, cause I don't understand how that could be successful for paying $10 a month for all of that. Um, I would assume it's just partial. You get access to some articles from that magazine. Um, cause I know the wall street journal has said that it, you don't get full access to the wall street See, journal. Um, I know the wall street journal has said that, but I don't know. Has any magazines put out that statement? Ma- no magazine has put so out that here's, statement. Here's yet. the only reason why I push back on that idea. Lucas is the wall street journal from what I understand is like $37 a month, the, like t- yeah. the subscription. Yeah. So I understand with like something that intense saying, we're only giving you a limited version, but magazine subscriptions are way cheaper. You know, they're like so, so much cheaper than that. So it wouldn't surprise me if like magazines like Cosmo and the New Yorker and all these different places did include the full, um, you know, product in the, in mm-hmm. the news plus subscription. I'm just speculating yeah. here. I'm excited to see how it turns out again. I don't really read magazines all that much. Here, so here's uh, what I said. we'll see. I, I watched the, <laughs> the news event with like a coworker and here's what I said to them, him is that like, I can't see myself like being a person to just casually browse through something, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like a magazine, digital or print. Like that just seems such like such a leisurely thing to do. Like maybe if I was on a (laughs) beach, like, Oh yes. It's like, look at all this beautiful photography and layouts. And, but in my every average day to day life, if an article is super important or worth reading, I assume that I'll hear about it on Twitter. You know what I mean? And yeah. then I'll read it. And I don't care where it comes from. And I mean, I do care where it comes from. But like, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm not only reading from one source. Um, yeah. And 
I'll just, uh, the idea of just like casually like flipping through pages and seeing what articles lie ahead seems very old fashioned, even if they Absolutely. look beautiful on an iPad. I think that's a really good point because I, I, after I said I don't read magazines, I was realizing I do read a lot of articles from Vanity Fair. I read a lot of articles oh, totally. from um, a lot of tech magazines, but there, I don't go to those sites and read them. I read them because someone posted that article in Twitter or someone yeah. sent me an article. So it's very selective and it's very, very recommendation based. There's so you're only, right. You're like, right. There's like very few, there's only like a couple of websites that I actually like, I'll just go to the website every day to see what all the mm-hmm. new articles are. Um, but those are websites. They're not magazines. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, I might go to like apartment therapy, like, and just see what yeah. all the new posts are or, or the strategist or something like that. Yeah. And and that's like a very quick, like, see what the headlines are. It's not kind of like this endless scrolling through, yeah, some sort of like e-document. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this is something that I'm not as interested in. Also, like I said, it's more magazine focused. The two news outlets that they touted were the LA Times and the Wall Street Journal. And those are news outlets that don't, personally intrigue me if the new york if a new york times subscription was included in this then i would be (laughs) way more interested um but as it is currently it's not something i'm going to be signing up for all right so let's talk about the apple card i think this was the most exciting one for me do you want to give us a quick rundown on what exactly this is yeah so apple is going to be like hosting their own credit card that you can sign up for um some of the main benefits are that you can sign up instantly on your phone and use it right away via Apple Pay. You don't have to wait for a card to be delivered. Um, there's no fees whatsoever. No starter fees, no late fees, no penalty fees, just no fees. Um, just typical interest. W- yeah, on, just, just on, whatever uh, yeah, interest just, you accrue. Um, right. They say low interest. They didn't really go into specifics about what that means. So we'll see like just so, how low interest it is compared to other credit cards. So on their website, they have 13 to 24% is what it says. Okay. Um, which doesn't seem super low to me. It seems about the same yeah. as, as other credit cards. Sure. So it doesn't, um, yeah. And then they also offer within Apple Pay like financial planning tools related to your Apple card. So they make it really easy to see where you spent your money versus a typical credit card where sometimes the purchase locations are really confusing and unclear. Um, Apple Pay uses a lot of like technology and data to figure out exactly where your credit card was used, um, as well as like what you're spending your money on and helping you track like you spent this much much this week on food, this much on entertainment, this much on gas, all those different categories, and really helps you visually see um, what your budgeting is like. Um, those are all features that sound really exciting to me. When it mm-hmm. when they first announced like we're doing a credit card, it was like, oh, okay, great. I don't, I probably <laughs> shouldn't get another credit card. Like right. that's that might be a, an issue, it's, and especially like why would I get an Apple credit card? Um, the idea of no fees though, I think, is a really powerful idea, and um, the ease of use, I think, also really makes it appealing. They also mm-hmm. have as an additional, if you want, like a physical card. Um, a titanium laser etched, completely privacy like <laughs> enhanced like ca- physical yeah. card you can use. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the other things that is interesting about it is they're they're offering two percent cash back on all purchases done using Apple Pay on your phone. 
1% cash back if you use the card and 3% cash back if you buy anything in an Apple store. Yeah. Um, and I think, and what they're saying is it's truly cash back. You like that's immediately just credited to your account. Um, and I think this is something that I think a lot of people are getting excited about because of um, how much people do credit card point tracking and stuff like that. And what are those points applied to? And just having it be simple and it's just, you get, you get a discount on everything you buy basically. Sure. Um, I think, I think that's a huge point. I think, I think the thing that banks have a hard time with now is everything is very difficult. It's just everything is very obscure and <laughs> hard to read and stuff like that. And just having that clarity of here is my spending over the month, very clearly laid out, Right. It, I, th- I think is big for a lot of people. And a lot of people do that manually by budgeting it out and like looking at how much they, they spend and stuff like that. And just having it done for you is a lot easier. So yeah, totally. <laughs> I think that's a huge drop. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm really interested. Um, I'll probably be signing up for one when it comes out in the summer, right? Is yep. that when it's coming? So it's sometime this summer. Yep. Here's, so. here's, here's the one thing, Lucas, that I will say is that yeah. before they announced the physical card, when it was just something that was, they were announcing it, it was just something in Apple Pay. I still don't use Apple Pay that much. I use it every now and then. Um, but I haven't gotten to a point where I can go without a physical credit card. And so if I already have my credit card with me, I usually just use my card. Um, and a lot of that is like, one, I don't know whether the place offers it or not. But another is like a factor of like, am I really going to be that person that tries to figure out if this place offers Apple Pay? Like in a busy <laughs> line with like yeah. a, a tired, annoyed sale, like, customer service cashier person like am i gonna be the person that's like um does this have apple pay like that seems so douchey right (laughs) and so like i bring that up because i do think that that is a problem still in making apple pay like a universal experience and if this is going to be if they're going to tout like we have this credit card that you use as your primary credit card for budgeting um apple pay needs to feel more weaved in and easier to use. And I don't just don't think it's there yet, at least in my city. Yeah. I think the, the, they touted Chicago a lot in, in the, in the keynote. Um, they're, they're bringing Apple pay to, um, the public transit system. That's been something that has been kind of in the works for a while here. Chicago is almost a hundred percent on Apple pay. Um, so just about anywhere you, you go, you can, you can use Apple pay. Um, Rebecca lo- lost her credit card or her credit card got stolen and she just used Apple pay basically the whole time, which okay. was great. So here's, while they waited for her to <laughs> send her one, here's my thing. I was telling a, a friend this the other day, the one place that I don't want to carry a bag or a wallet, um, where I just want to have like my phone and my keys, um, is like when I go out like dancing or like at a bar. Do bars mm-hmm. in Chicago take Apple Pay? So this is, I think this is the hard part is restaurants and like bars and stuff like that do, but it's it's a lot more difficult. There's that, it's right. not like you're checking out and you see it there and you just do it. It's a whole weird level of transparency of like you got to ask for it and then they'll bring out the thing yeah. and you can do it. So, so they do, but, but, but you're right. Yeah, no one wants to be that person. So it's the exact same way. Like, like if I go out to a place, I'm not going to use Apple Pay there because it's I want to yeah. use it. You know, like yeah. where, yeah. you know, if I'm just like at a drive through or if I'm grocery shopping, like it's not that difficult to like, have my credit card with me but if it's when i'm going out dancing that's when i want to be unencumbered you know Mm -hmm. so like yeah yeah it's an Um, excellent point and here's the other thing is that like 
as long as we need an ID to get into places, then I will need to have my wallet on me. And if I mm. have my wallet slash purse on me, why not just use my regular card? Mm. You know what I mean? See, Rebecca's got one of those phone cases with like two slots in it. So one for her ID, one for her like transit card. Yeah. Um, and then you don't need it. It's I've just, looked into that, Lucas. That's all you bring. But yeah. I'm too into the magnetic aspects of my phone case. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Because you drive. Right, because I drive. <laughs> yes, I, I, I have been there for sure. Yeah. It's yep. a whole, you know, it's a whole journey that we're all navigating. Yep. Um, yep. Let's yep. keep moving on to the other <laughs> Apple right. stuff. Sounds good. Um, yes, Apple Arcade. So this is, uh, again, we're really getting into subscri- subscription services here. But with Apple Arcade, you are um, subscribing to exclusive games. So there's a whole, they did a whole video on a list of game makers who are making games exclusively for Apple, exclusively for this subscription service called Arcade. Um, I am not a f- gamer on any Apple devices at all. Me so either. this does not affect me at all. I'm not interested in it. It seems like a cool idea, but I feel like to get... Uh, the games that I've heard about are games that are available on iOS devices, which is pretty big. So Minecraft, um, uh, was it Fortnite, and um, what's the other one? I forget. But a lot of those like big games that like a lot of kids are playing and stuff like that are things that are available on iOS, which is pretty great. Um, I think with this, this starts to get to a point to where not everybody will have access to it. So you have to have a lot of hype behind it to get people on board. Right. So I'm I'm curious if it'll take off. Yeah, I'm not interested in games, so this is not something that I paid that much attention to. Um, I will say, though, yeah. one of my coworkers is, like, a pastor and, like, sometimes a youth pastor, and he was very excited about the possibilities for something like this in relation to, like, his youth group. Um, yeah. Because theoretically, this would also work on Apple TVs. And mm-hmm. so um, the idea of having some sort of, like, subscription for, like, a youth group to have access to is something that really appealed to him. And I think anyone with kids, this is something that, like, oh, I can just pay $10 a month and not have to buy, like, a billion games for my kid every time that they come across a new game. Just well, say you like, say that, but it has to be the game. It has to be the game that all the kids are playing has to be on this platform. You're right. So if if it's not, then you still have to end up by, <laughs> buying this That's game. That's a great point, so. yeah. Um, it's not something that appeals to me, though. I, it's just oh, no. like, yeah. okay, yep. y'all have fun Same. with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the fun stuff, the TV and the uh, the TVs plus. Okay, like the, so what is it, the here, TV channels? Here's the thing. You're having a hard time identifying these two. I am, um, I am. I'll clear it up for you. There's the Apple TV app that we currently have. It's already in use. What they announced was a revamping of the Apple TV app that we all currently already have. Correct? Right? You with me so far? Correct. Um, Part of that revamping is a feature that they are calling Channels. And Channels is basically just the ability to add on things like HBO, CBS All Access, Stars. Um, as well as like log in with your current cable provider to like make sure that all of your logins for all these different services and streaming subscriptions, um, are all in one place, which is your Apple TV app. Now, Apple TV is already kind of doing this. Um, but this seems to be to just like a higher, more convenient, smooth, streamlined level. Um. And so the, basically the event was just showing us what that new app will look like, how everything works in conjunction with each other. The one big flaw that it seems to have is that they're not working with Netflix. And that's you know the, the one major service that they're mm-hmm. not having access to. Um, 
Otherwise, the whole idea behind the Apple TV app is that everything you're watching, um, whether it's on Hulu or HBO or one of your cable channels, you can watch via the TV app um, and it'll keep track of what episodes you've watched, what's up next, um, what are different options you have, what's in your iTunes library versus what's on HBO's library. Um, everything's just kind of in one place. And they've already, like I said, they've already had the TV app. This has already been the idea, but this looks more like it'll work versus like, it's just kind of there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that because even without Netflix included, most of my viewing takes place in Hulu and HBO and Amazon Prime and then Bravo, which is what I watch a lot. So having like those four options all in one place and not having mm -hmm. to go to four different apps to watch all my shows, um, that is exciting to me. Yeah. One of the things that I do hate right now is I have to go to each channel to check out, oh, am I, you know, has a new episode come out of this? Right. But I have to remember all of those shows that what I'm watching. To out, go, you know, like, exactly. And to go specifically and check. And it's like, nope, okay, now let me, let me back out to this other provider right. and see. Um, so, I, yeah, I really like this idea. I've played around a little bit with, you know, the Apple TV channel. Ugh, I, I hate the Apple TV. There's too much. The, the Apple TV app on the Apple TV. Um, yeah, the, and I think that's their biggest mistake is that they have a device called an Apple TV yeah. and they have an app called the Apple TV app. Yeah. Um, and yeah. That, that's just a problem. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've played around with it a little bit and it's been pretty much on, on top of that. But I think this is just going to be better. It's just going to be better. Sure. Um, and then in addition to the revamping of the app, when did they say the app stuff would come? Like in the summer? I think so. So then the new service that they're offering is Apple TV Plus. Um, Apple TV Plus is Apple getting into the streaming game. So it's their version of Netflix, and Amazon Prime, and Hulu, and all of their original content. And at the Apple event, we got to see a lot of celebrities talk about like the art of storytelling and what projects they were working on for Apple. Yeah, with this for me, they did a, a weird intro where each like each group of celebrities just kind of talked about their show. Then at the end, they did kind of like a montage of kind of a somewhat trailer for all of them. Um, for me, I don't care about this until the shows actually come out um, because I have no idea if they're going to be good. For me, this is the exact same thing that happened when Netflix started doing streaming and um, uh, or original content, not streaming, but um, Amazon Prime started doing original content. It's just like, I don't care until the show is good. If you put out something that's good, I'm interested and I'll watch it and we'll see kind of how this goes. Um, but until then, I don't care about celebrities just talking about the shows that they're going to do. I do care about celebrities talking about the shows they're going to do <laughs> if it's the right celebrities. And so I think that's really interesting is that like this, this event had a lot of star power. You know, like these aren't just like any old celebrities. These were like big celebrities. And yeah. um, I, I do want to talk about what is being offered and what of the, of the things that were announced – um, what are the ones that like are the most appealing to you, Lucas, that like you're predicting if it's going to get you to sign up, this is probably going to be the show that's going to do it. I mean, the, for me, the thing is, it doesn't matter how good the show is. If it has to be a cultural thing, it has to be like, everybody's like, you have to see this show because there's a million good shows and I'm kind of 
done. I'm kind of like, I'm at my cap. So if everyone's like, you have to watch this, you have to watch it. That's the only thing that's going to get me to watch it. People have been saying the Americans is fantastic forever. And I a hundred percent believe them. I'm not going to watch the Americans yeah. until it becomes like the pushiest thing in the world. Right. So, so uh, the, uh, what is it, the good morning show? The, uh, the I forget what they're calling oh, it. Uh, the morning show. Oh j- yeah. The morning show. Yeah. To me, that sounds interesting. Reese Witherspoon, um, Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston on a morning show. Mark Duplass. I'm, I'm interested. In that. in that as well yeah 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 it, it seems great and i'm sure once the reviews come out it will be great am i going to subscribe to apple tv for it no it has to be pushed harder than that so for me. you're saying that like me knacking you is not enough of a cultural force to get you to subscribe to apple tv plus sadly no yeah. it's gonna have to be you plus at least another person okay. <laughs> great great i just need to like text rebecca real quick and exactly yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i'm excited for this obviously i think the i'm on board the shows that are presented are really appealing to me like you mentioned the morning show has me super excited one because of the star power and the topic but also because reese witherspoon is producing it and i have a lot of trust and Reese Witherspoon's vision when it comes to like creating content. Um, mm-hmm. But another show that I found really exciting was Kumail Nanjiani's show, Little America. Yeah. Um, which I'm unclear. It, he said it's an anthology show about like immigrants, but I'm unclear whether it's a documentary or if it's fictionalized. No, it's a, it's fictionalized. Okay. Um, honestly, I'm on board either way. Um, <laughs> I, I think it sounds really interesting. Um, I think Lauren Bouchard, the creator of Bob's Burgers, has a new animated musical coming out on, on Apple TV that didn't even get really mentioned at the event. J.J. Um, Abrams has a new show. Uh, I'm trying to think of others that are really ex- There's a lot that's really exciting. One that, like again, didn't get mentioned at the event, but got, I think, a lot of like visual play in the trailer that they showed was um, Haley Steinfeld's new show about Emily Dickinson. Um, Mm -hmm. that looks really, really interesting. Um, so there's a lot that I'm, uh, that I'm excited for. The main factor about whether I sign up is going to be cost, which it was not announced. They announced that it's coming in the fall, but they didn't give any pricing information. Here's the thing. If it's free, I'll probably watch all the shows. Sure. So yeah, yeah. here's (laughs) here's what I want to know. What price let's, let's do like a higher low thing. What's your price point for like, if it's this cheap, I'll definitely sign up. Um, or if it's this expensive, I almost definitely won't sign up. I mean, if it's over $10 a month, I'm definitely not signing up. Really? Um, if it's free. Yeah. 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 Like I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I do not want to add another thing to my streaming subscription. I don't want to pay more money for media. Like I'm, I'm kind of done. Like this is, yeah, <laughs> It, it has to be, if it's free, I'll sign up. Um, if it's not, then it's very much going to be dependent on how popular this content is and how much I feel like I'm missing out by not subscribing. Yeah. Another thing I think we're not taking into account is like what their rollout schedule is going to be. Like, are all mm-hmm. of these shows available on day one? Probably not. You know, like how many of these shows that they're mentioning are going to be available to watch on day one? Are they going to be... Is it going to be a binge thing? Is it going to be you roll out episodes week by week? Like, we don't know any of that information yet. So that, yeah. I think, will also affect. Because, because um, like, I mean, here here's my price point. If it's $10 or under, I'm definitely signing up. Like, just without a doubt. 
if yep. it's um twenty dollars, then I almost definitely won't sign up. I can't see myself spending twenty dollars <laughs> a month on an Apple yeah. TV service. Um, but t- between ten and twenty is where I'm. I don't know, and it will just kind of depend on a lot more factors. Um, yeah. But if it's something where there's a lot available, you know, there's always the option of like paying it, paying for it for a month or two, and then taking a break. Um, that's something I don't think enough mm-hmm. people like think about when it comes to these streaming services is like, you don't have to pay for it indefinitely. Like you could just like use it for a month or two, but you know, it's, that's just an option that's available. I'm still excited yeah. because I'm excited about like good, interesting storytelling being available into the world. And it seems like that's going to be happening. We'll see. Um, so I think the, uh, in conclusion, we're very excited about Apple card <laughs> on the fence about Apple TV plus and don't care about News Plus or Arcade, correct? Yes, Yeah. correct. That's where we're at. All right, okay, so let's move on to what we're actually here to talk about today. Triple Frontier. Okay, this movie is... Was, was a mystery to me until the trailer came out um, on Netflix a couple of months ago. And at that point, I was so pumped about it. This is uh, the newest film by J.C. Chandor, who did um, A Most Violent Year, All is Lost, and Margin Call. Um, this is the story of... I can't even tell what the story is. It's it's like... I would say it it's a soldier heist movie. Yeah. See, I'm going to argue with you on that. So, I, I mean, it's... Or it was at least marketed as a soldier heist movie. Yes. Marketed as a soldier heist movie, um, which I'm 100% in for. The trailer looked fantastic. We decided to watch it. So <laughs> it has like a lot of star power. It has yes. um, Ben Affleck, it's got, um, Oscar Isaac, Garrett Hedlund, is that his name? Charlie Hunnam. Oh, what's the last guy's name? Pedro Pascal. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is a real fun cast, real fun crew to hang out with. I was really pumped for it. Um, this came out on Netflix a week ago, and we decided to watch it. So, Sandra, what were your first thoughts on Triple Frontier? Also, what is the Triple Frontier? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one that I, had nev- I hadn't even asked myself. Um, yes. So, like, <laughs> they don't really mention it in the, in the movie. <laughs> like I said, I think this, tri- this movie was marketed as a soldier heist movie, a group of soldiers um, decide to rob a drug lord. They have a heist where they like rob him. Um, and so I went in because I love heist movies. Turns out this movie is heavy on the soldier, low on the heist. So like, it was more of a movie about what it's like to be a soldier and the aftermath of being in the military and, um, kind of like the dark, depressing world that that is. Um, in an, couched in this adventure story about a, a heist and then the aftermath of a heist. Yeah. Um, I Although I, like, the way you say that with uh, it being about the military and kind of the, what what happens with that, I don't feel like it dives into the uh, patriotism that you get from a lot of, like, the Peter Burke films, like, uh, what is it, Lone Survivor and, um, I don't know, like, those kinds of movies where it's, like, very, like, rah-rah America. Well, I, th- I think it touches on some of, like, um, the patriotism that maybe like these soldiers feel, um, but does the movie itself isn't like, doesn't have a, a patriotism tone, you know, the movie itself isn't saying rah, rah America, um, 
the military is great, you know, like, but the character, you, you do get a sense of what the characters personally feel. Um, Some of them. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's not like a unified message, which I appreciated. Um, Definitely. But in all, all in all, I'm not personally like super into movies about war and soldiers. And so this movie is very much that. So it was something like when I was watching it and realized like what kind of the tone actually was, I was a little bit more like bracing myself the whole time um, (laughs) rather than fully enjoying it. Um, This movie has like, I wouldn't say it's very good. Um, (laughs) I think that there's like stuff that, let me say, I'll, I'll re-say this and say, there's parts of this movie that I thought were really effective. As a whole, I didn't find myself enjoying it very much, and there are parts of it that I think are actively bad. And uh, before I detail what all those are, I want to hear like what your general consensus is. Yeah, so I think I liked it more than you did. I do, I agree with you that there are some parts that are actively bad. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily say this movie is great. I think the movie is fine, but I liked it actually a lot. Um, I think there are some really great parts in it, and there's some really great stuff that it does, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, I can see, I can 100% see why this didn't get produced by uh, one of the major studios. Right. Um, 100% understand that. Um, but I am glad that it's on Netflix. Like this is one of those times where I'm just like, yes, way to go Netflix on kind of just putting this out there. Yeah. Um, cause it's a weird, weird movie that I enjoyed a lot. When I was starting this movie, it felt weird to be watching it on Netflix. It felt like this is the type yeah. of movie that I should have been seeing so much marketing for. Mm-hmm. And then like it opens to like a weekend in a theater and like, it, it just, it felt off. It felt like this movie was a ghost that like came out of nowhere, you know? And yeah. the type of movie it is feels like it should be so much bigger mm-hmm. than the experience I had with it. Yeah, this is written by Mark Boll, um, who wrote The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Um, and it's very much kind of in that that vein. Um, but those movies got big releases and like there was build up to them and stuff like that. And this movie just appeared out of nowhere. And I, I don't feel like <laughs> I don't feel like it deserved that. Well, but. here's the thing. Oh, when I was watching the movie, I was like, you know, kind of like this feels off that it's, it feels like such a big movie, but it's being released on Netflix and all this stuff. So when the movie was over, I did some Googling and I, there's this great vulture article about like kind of the ups and downs of getting this movie made. Um, mm. And there was a lot, a lot of ups and downs in trying to get this <laughs> movie made. It was originally Mark Bull wrote the script and Catherine Bigelow was going to direct. And so for the longest time, it was their project and it was a yeah. big studio project. And there was lots of different stars attached. Um, there was a, the, the rumored list of stars attached to this, this movie is insane. Um, <laughs> Johnny Depp was a big one. Will Smith was a big one. Um, here's the craziest of them all. And some people deny it, but other people say like it was this was the case. Rumored in the Ben Affleck role was Tom Hanks. Oh my like, gosh. Like apparently he <laughs> again, the rumor is that he was already like working out, like getting buff for this role. Wow. Yeah. Um, so those were like some of the bigger names that were attached earlier with Catherine Bigelow. And Mark Bull. And then the two of them left the project. I think there was a lot of 
frustration with the studios and they they left the project it bounced around it was dead it was revived so then they brought this chandor guy on and i think he did this a, chandor guy a, he did a major rewrite of the script so yeah while it might be barkable script this article is saying that like most of the dialogue is from Chandor and it's really his movie, you know? Um, yeah. There's a ton of other rumored actors. Tom Hardy and Channing Tatum were bit were rumored. Um, Mark Wahlberg was a big rumor for it. Like the Man, cast, I almost said Channing Tatum was in this movie. When you said Channing Tatum, <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, he ended up in the movie, but Charlie Hunnam and Channing Tatum, I cannot tell apart at yeah, all. I just yeah. have complete blindness to those two. So there was, and then once they finally got the cast set and like a director and a studio, um, then there was all the Ben Affleck stuff with his rehab. And so Mm -hmm. that like put the movie on hold and then they were going to recast him and then he was back. So this movie just like a lot of trouble. Then apparently during the filming, there was like the craziest weather like ever in all of their locations. (laughs) There's like a lot that went wrong. And I, you can feel the sweat. I think that it took to get this movie made when you're watching Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I I I think a lot of those things I liked about it, like how hard this looked to make. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Like they're out shooting in these ridiculous locations. It seems like, yeah, I, I like all this makes sense. Like it seems like a nightmare to shoot. It seems like these actors are having a hard time out there, which I think is great for a movie like like this. I think it worked out well. Sure. Um, I think a lot of my issues with it come down to some of the storytelling beats, but a lot of the dialogue. So if you say JC Chandler, like that, like dialogue ended up being his thing. I not a fan. Um, yeah. I th- I just I just think some of it was clunky. There's a lot of clumsy storytelling here, yeah. and they don't really get into character work like this. This movie's two hours long. Um, the first the hour is a heist movie. The second hour second hour is an adventure movie, um, and you you really could have had just a, a nice hour and a half heist movie with a lot more character development and a lot more like I guess just better themes. Like, the thing about watching cause... a movie like this on Netflix is that in a theater, you're just there and you watch it and then that's it. But in net, when you're watching a movie at home on Netflix, you get to pause the movie at some point and be like, "Ugh, there's a whole other hour left of this." Like, <laughs> see, I didn't do that. I didn't. I didn't look at my phone. I didn't pause it. I didn't get up. I, I like. I watched it like I was gonna be in the theater. Yeah. And the whole time I was like, "So the movie's like almost over, right?" The movie's got to be almost no, over, right? And oh, oh no, we're starting something new. We're we're doing something else. Okay, what are, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, so. Um. Okay. Do we want to talk about what we think is good and bad here or in spoilers? I think most of it is going to be in spoilers. Okay, great. So I will say one of the things that I did love is the cinematography. I think the cinematography is fantastic. Um, I think some of the like the set pieces are really beautiful, and the way kind of he shoots action is really engaging. Um, kind of there's a. Yeah, there's some action in this movie that that is set really, really well and is re- very, very intense. And um, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. So. Okay, let's get into spoilers. All right. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. So why don't we start with the bad and then end with the good? All right. Let's let me just say up front, Ben Affleck is bad in this movie. Ben Affleck yes. is yes. phoning it in. Oh, for sure. And it is like 
very rarely do I say that about an actor. Like, usually when I watch a movie, I, I don't have any criticisms about the acting. Um, it's Usually I feel like every actor is doing the best they can with the material they're given. But this movie, man, it's very clear that, like, Ben Affleck was not in a place to make this movie. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, he is very... <laughs> The the I the one time and I think this was mentioned on uh, the Ringer podcast or the what yeah the watch the watch podcast yeah. um as well but the one time that I like enjoyed his character was when they're tearing apart the walls and he's just like there's more money like he's just like freaking out about the like the <laughs> amount of money that's in the walls yeah. that's the one point that I was like yes yes I believe you in this situation <laughs> everywhere else it's just like you're just Ben Affleck just oh. saying these lines like. <laughs> It was it was hard to watch. It really was, especially because that character is like pretty important to the movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't. He he does a lot more than I thought he was going to do when it started. I thought this was going to be like Oscar Isaac's movie. Yeah. And Ben Affleck is the guy who does a lot of stuff here. Um, I yeah, I didn't love him. I loved everybody else. I thought everybody else was really great. I thought Pedro Pascal was awesome. He was really great. Um, I, Oscar Isaac is I always really, great. Yes, yes. Garrett Hedlum, I. Absolutely love him, yeah. and he is just—he's pretty. He's good. just going hundred percent in this movie. I have. Is it just me, or was Charlie Hunnam's accent a little all over the place? What is it? Yeah, I was trying to figure out what accent he was doing. Like he was supposed to. Uh, where is he from? He's he's uh he's British. The actor is he, British, Charlie Hunnam, but the character yes, is not yes. British. No, no, no. I but I couldn't figure out what he was doing with his voice because it wasn't like he was trying to be like southern or anything. I think like he it was, was trying to be a little southern. Oh, was is oh is that what it was? I think he was. Okay, I was trying to figure out what that because accent he was. And Garrett Hedlund were brothers, and so they were supposed to. Oh, you're right. Have the you're right. Same accent theoretically. Yes, yes. Yeah, his accent was nothing like Garrett Hedlund's. It was going so. in and out. Let me tell you, there were times where it sounded Australian. There were times where it sounded mm-hmm. British. There were times where yep. it sounded like fake. Southern American, it was, it was, and, and the thing is, Charlie Hunnam is like, he played an American on a TV show for a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. he, sh- he should have it down. <laughs> I know. I never saw Sons of Anarchy, but I assumed, I assumed he I mean, had the accent. for a long time. There were a lot of seasons yeah. of that. Surely right. at some point he nailed it. Like. Yeah. So. Can you imagine if this was his accent, the all of Sons of Anarchy, oh all like 18 seasons or whatever? With a fluctuating Australian <laughs> British Southern accent. I don't know what was oh, happening, man. but like, no. uh, I don't think he was, other than the accent, he wasn't like good or bad for me. The accent was just really distracting. No. Um, but the yeah. other three were fantastic. And then, Matt, and then I keep wanting mm-hmm. to call him Matt Damon. Ben Affleck was actively bad. Like, and I want to say I'm a Ben Affleck fan. I think Ben Affleck Mm -hmm. is a very good actor that I really love. So like, it was noticeable how bad he was in this. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's get into the story beats here. Cause I, I got some questions, um, but I also have some, some very high praise for some of the heist stuff here. Okay. I really, really loved the way the heist got, got built, um, the kind of the way he we introduced all the characters the way he like kind of went out and talked to all of them and um and i was like oh this is going to be fun it's like and and but we we, like we didn't get great character introductions for all of these guys um but we got like decent ones we got ones where i was like all right i'm excited to hang out with these guys um and kind of them going there for reconnaissance and then him pitching that oh this is the actual heist like we're gonna do this ourselves um i liked all of that 
Um, I think the second half for me is where stuff started to fall apart. But I re like the first hour I think is really, really well done. Yeah, I I think you're right that it's well done. I will say the scene where they all kind of get together as a group for the first time, like right before the fight, I think is a really good scene. <laughs> like yeah. where you, you, you see, I mean, Ben Affleck isn't in that scene, but like most of the guys yeah. are in the same room together. We're getting to see like what their personalities are and what their skill sets mm-hmm. might be. Um, and then, you know, the, the fight starts and I I felt a little sick to my stomach by just like the tone and the machismo nature of it all. Um, and I think it's well done, but I will say it made me feel very uneasy. See, I think that all is just showing the terribleness of their life that that's where they're at. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think it's like, like I said, I purposeful and well done, but like, yeah. That's where my headspace is at when I'm watching this movie. You know, I'm not oh, excited. Sure. I feel un- at a, like a deep sense of unease. Whereas like <laughs> in a different type of heist film, I might be like really excited. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think for me, that was just showing like, oh man, they're in a bad spot. Like this is, this is good for, this is the way that they can get out of this situation where they're day drinking in the middle of the afternoon at a, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what MMA fight, whatever. Like, Ugh, a, yeah. But Garrett Hedlum gets like knocked out like immediately. Like that. I think that's what's so fun about it is that like this isn't to show that they're like the best. Like they're tough. It's just like right. they're in a bad spot. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the heist itself. You know me, Lucas. You know that I am like a stickler for like a classic, glamorous, entertaining heist, and that is mm-hmm. not what we got here. Um, no. and I, and I recognize I, that and like, I'm, I understand that this is a different type of story, but as the heist is happening, there are all these clues. That it's like, Oh, this isn't your mom's heist. And I would prefer <laughs> a glamorous, like effective heist, but that's not what we're getting. We're getting a rough and dirty heist. See, I liked the rough and dirty heist. Sure. I think the, I think my big problem with the heist is you got to set some expectations. Mm-hmm. Like I got to know exactly what's supposed to go down. So when it doesn't happen, right. I know when we're off book. Um, and I don't think they set that up very well. <laughs> um, they, they talked about the family's going to go to church. Family's going to leave. They're going to be three guards. I don't know what and these Lorraine. guards look like. I don't. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and the, what's his Lorea. name? Whatever the, Lorea. And Lorea. There's one shot of Lorea in the whole, or it, it, before this. So you get it's one shot to recognize. It's a significant shot, though. It, it is, but they don't say it's him. Yeah, they do. Like, n- not during that shot. Yeah. There's never a, hey, this is Lorea. I think it's pretty clear that that's Lorea. I think it is pretty clear, but I also didn't remember what he looked oh, like. Oh, well, I think that's on you. I didn't remember what he looked yeah. like. And so the whole time, as they're kind of going through this house, also the guards didn't look like guards. guards. Yeah. I mean, they were just people wearing outfits. Like, so right. you come up on a person and it's kind of, he's a little bit in shadow. And it's like, is this Lorraine or is this a guard? I don't know. There was one very and, confusing moment yeah. where a guard is watching TV. And I was like, yes, and I thought that yes. was Lorraine. And Oscar Isaac doesn't right. take the shot. And so. Yeah. I was very confused. I was like, oh, Oscar Isaac is in on it. He's working for Lorea. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I thought the exact same thing. And then just the whole time when Lorea isn't in the building and they don't like, you, they never show them like really searching hard for him. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Like, where is he? It, what, did they kill him? Did they capture him? Like, what's going on? Did I miss something? Right. And then he's behind the bookshelf and they kill him. And again, that was kind of quick also. So I was like, was that him? It was. 
It was him. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It, it definitely was him. Cool. All right. But there was just a lot of confusion around, all right, what was the plan originally? And then as they're kind of like, how much money did they think was going to be here versus how much money is here? I feel like that was a little unclear because as they kind of started, I was like, yes, this is the money. But then it takes a while for, I think, the audience to realize like, oh, this is much, much more money. Yeah. But how much more for money? Me- and are they going to take it all? Like, what is the, yeah. yeah. That kind of worked for me because like they're in such a state of, panic and like what is all happening that it makes sense for us to also be in that state of like panic and what is all happening um Mm -hmm. i was very clear that like it made sense to me going in that they expected there to be 75 million dollars and then so uh, theoretically they would have brought enough bags for 75 million dollars and then when they were packing up the bags and they were full up and there was still more money in the house that it became and they're state of being like whoa this is an insane amount of money like it's like oh something else is happening here yeah i think for me i don't know how much 70 million 75 million dollars is and i don't know how much what like what that looks like so as they're kind of packing stuff up i'm like like, but (laughs) i think but i expect them to know what 75 million dollars looks like and so yes. when those characters are freaking out because they have, they even mentioned like they've done busts like this before, but they didn't keep the mm-hmm. money. It was like with the government. Um, right. And so like when they're freaking out about the amount of money, I'm assuming it's like, oh, it's because they realize it's way more than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked, I, I liked that. I didn't like that. I didn't really know how much money they got away with. Um, until we get to the helicopter pad. Until we get to the helicopter. And I think this is where stuff really starts to fall apart for me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there is a line of dialogue that I went, when I physically yelled out, what? <laughs> On that helicopter pad is where yeah. Pedro Pascal's character, the pilot, yes. says yep. to Ben Affleck, we can't this is 6,000 pounds worth of money. Like we can't carry the, the helicopter can't carry all this. And Ben Affleck is like, what the helicopter can carry 9,000 pounds. And Pedro Pascal says, no, not at the altitude that we need to go. If we need to get over the mountains, we can't carry this much weight. And Ben Affleck says, are you just going to leave $250 million on the tarmac? And then Pedro Pascal goes, okay, we'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what I said. I was like, well, are, you're the pilot. Like, this is like, your, like, I. It's science. There was, either can there was no argument. Can't. There was no, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's impossible. So so at that point, we were just like, okay, well, this isn't going to end well. Like, there's right. no way that this will work. So the whole time, you're just waiting for it to fall apart. And it does, but not in a very dramatic way at all. You're like, yes, the exact thing that he said would happen is happening. Right. And I'm not pumped about it. Yeah, I just. Him, no pushback, no nervous, like, just like, okay, nope. fine, we'll do it. Like, just, it didn't take any we'll try convincing. It. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, yeah, so they, they do the thing. It all falls apart. Um, they, they, they land in the field. Um, and at this point, I realize, oh, this is where we're going to start losing money. As this journey goes along, we're slowly going to start losing more and more of this money. Yeah. And my assumption was at the end of this, there would be no money left that they would just get out with their lives or something like right. that. Um, which stressed me out because we just had this heist movie that I was really pumped about. Um, and I didn't want this adventure movie where they lose all the money. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think what it did a good job of is just looking at 
what happens to these people, like what happens to the greed, what happens to kind of their relationships as kind of the money becomes the focus, um, which I liked. I didn't think it explored it enough, but I did like that, that, that it was going to try. Right. But I think also the kind of implication that money fixes everything is a big part of this, and, and it definitely says it doesn't, <laughs> um, and it continues to kind of p- put that home every time, which I think is really great, um, except for the end, which we'll get into. But uh, the the way it handles the killing in the village, I, I really I really enjoyed that. Just how um, Ben Affleck kills some people. I guess uh, they all end up killing some people um, to protect the money, and then Oscar Isaac goes and pays the leader of the village or whatever basically is like here's for the family here's for you here's for the town or here's for the mules that we're taking kind of i'm sorry we're good um and you're not good the kid comes after him it's a whole thing but like just that that way that like you can't fix this you can't fix what's happened with money um i really liked yeah um i will say this movie got good for me. I would say, like, all the leading up to it is I'm kind of mixed. Like, certain things are exciting. Certain things are seem silly. I feel like this movie became a really good movie as soon as Ben Affleck died. Uh, and I, and I, <laughs> yeah, it was much better and after I, that. And I don't say that. I will say a little bit because we don't have Ben Affleck's bad performance anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But... More so the story that was being told after that character died, I thought got really interesting. The um, the pain that all those other characters had to really sit with, the fact that their friend was killed and the father of like this daughter was killed because of this idea that they all had. Um, mm-hmm. That I think was really effective. Um, and then just like, uh, the their adventure of just trying to escape with their lives, I think, was also yeah. like, really thrilling. Yeah, and them trying to maintain a sense of humanity in that escape. You know, Oscar Isaac mm-hmm. specifically, um, trying to like maintain a sense of like uh, not hurting any more people that need to be hurt. Um, and, yep. in trying to escape and get out with whatever kind of money they can, and the. Mm-hmm them having to accept the fact that they have to leave yes. all of this money behind. Yeah. Except at the end when Garrett Hedlum or not Garrett, Charlie, um, Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam gives him the location of that money, the, the coordinates yeah. um, as if he's going to go back and get it, which to me that kind of goes against what the whole kind of mindset of the movie was right. <laughs> that like, that the, like the love of money, you know, just is corrupting. It kind of reminded me of like a pirate film in certain points Whereas, like, this money feels cursed. Like, yes. Rhea yeah. held on to it and was, like, this evil figure. You guys got this money, and then all of this stuff started happening to you and your relationships and your your greed and your violence. And this is cursed money. And so it's good that it is down there at the bottom of a cliff covered by snow. Because mm-hmm. it's cursed. Right. Um, right. And the bit at the end where they think, where it leads you thinking for a possible sequel or whatever, where these characters might go and find it again, that feels like something maybe from an original script where this was a much bigger movie, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. You know, leaving the, te- the potential for a sequel. Here's what I was thinking I was like, what? Obviously, I wouldn't want a sequel with these actors and like this story playing out all over again. Like, that seems ridiculous that these characters would go through this all. Mm-hmm. Well, again, like they didn't learn their lesson. But what could be a little bit interesting is 
a sequel where Charlie Hunnam's or Oscar Isaac, I guess, holds on to these coordinates and they pass it down to a different group of soldiers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if yeah. you're ever in a bind, this money is waiting here. Or or yeah. even something like Oscar Isaac holds on to it and tells this story to someone else and doesn't say like go get it, but this per- someone else steals these coordinates and it's like like it's a treasure map, you know? Like right. I've heard right. of this treasure let's go go and then another group goes and tries to do the same thing and goes after this cursed money and learns the same lessons yeah. you know yeah that could be fun yeah. yeah i never saw it as a like a setup to a sequel i just saw it as like you're now going against the theme of this movie which was you guys wanted to give up the money to help your friend and now you're like yeah but we could always go get more money right. so it just seemed like it went very against theme but yeah but yeah I still had a lot of fun with it. I thought I, I thought it was good. I thought that this movie was really weird, though. But. It is really weird. I mean, I will say, I think the ending is really well done. Um, and Oscar Isaac is, like, fantastic as usual. I, I thought he... His character was terrible because we know absolutely nothing about him um i wish i wish i just wish they'd gone into more character with with these guys totally. um all of these guys could have had much much deeper personalities <laughs> than they actually yeah. had so yeah. but well it is what it is sure but i i, I would be down I'd, I'd be down for a sequel with a whole new crew just after the same money basically a, a new movie just kind of with that little uh, with a little kickoff right. of, of the handoff. But you so. asked a really great question. I leave this conversation and this movie having zero idea what a triple frontier is. I have no idea what a triple frontier right. is. Because <laughs> there's a beach, right? Yeah. They're in Brazil. They also never say what country they're in. Right. Um, I think at first so I assumed I, it was Mexico, but then I think it was very wrong. You no, know, it's, def- it's definitely South America. Yeah. Um, they say South America a couple times. Like I knew eventually I'm, they were in South America. I guess it... I thought at one point they were in Mexico. Yeah, it's it's all very unclear. Like at the beginning when Oscar Isaac is doing his thing, um, yeah, it's unclear. Yeah. Um, there are a couple signs that as they're driving that say Brazil, um, but I don't know if it's like saying to Brazil or that they're in Brazil. I don't know. Um, yeah, all of that was very very cluttered. And yeah, but they they go they keep talking about the Andes. They go over the Andes, right. so and they end up on the beach. So. <laughs> Yeah. I, they are here's, somewhere. Here's my, if, I, if someone said, gun to my head, like, what's a triple frontier? I, I would say the jungle, the mountains, the beach. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All three frontiers. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that 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 sounds like it could be correct. I do think it is, like, it, it like is truly an area. Like, three different, like, landscapes. Yeah. Okay. I'm Googling it. Okay. We're doing when this. When I Googled it, it's just movie stuff and not uh it's the border of peru argentina and brazil great boom never never came up in the movie (laughs) (laughs) all right well i think that about wraps it up for us sandra where can we find you online all of my social media handles are at sandra amstutz my last name is spelled a-m-s-t-u-t-z you can find me everywhere at lucas and stuff you can find us together on twitter at feeling and pod all right we'll see you later bye thank you goodbye now goodbye go away I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 